Welcome to Smart Branding, a podcast dedicated to branding, naming, and domain names. I'm Tatiana Bono, and with my guests, we try to help you create and grow strong, memorable, and meaningful brands online. I believe time is one of our most precious assets, and so I want to thank you in advance if you decide to spend the next 30 minutes with us. I promise to do my best to make those worth it. Let's go. So today we have a special guest, Zach Harris, or Zach, that's how, how you kind of refer to yourself, isn't it? Bulgaris. He's an experienced data science professional who is currently working on launching his own startup. Um, Zach has a wealth of knowledge and expertise in information systems, data analysis, and artificial intelligence. Thank you for making the time, Zach. Nice to have you here with us. Thank you, Tatiana. Thanks for having me. So let's start with a bit of a background. Tell me a little bit about yourself and what did you do before you got to where you are today, and then we can talk a little bit about your startup. Mm-hmm. Well, I started um, as a student of uh, engineering and management uh, in Greece, where I'm from. Uh, Then I specialized in IT, specifically information systems, and uh, also with a lot of emphasis on the technology side. So I wasn't like a high-level technologist, but very hands-on. And then I did a PhD in uh, what came to be known as the the field of the future, data science, uh, with a focus on machine learning and uh, information systems in that area. Um, And after that, I went into into the industry, starting from the research industry in Georgia Tech, then into various companies. um, And at one point, I started uh, venturing into the startup world. And now I'm in this uh, startup that is uh, in the Netherlands, and um, we're looking into putting all these great ideas and knowledge that we have accumulated into something practical that everybody can benefit from. Wonderful. And how much can you share about that? Because it, it does sound like given your experience, and especially I'm sure for you, having been in the field of technology and machine learning, everything that we're seeing recently with artificial intelligence is not as amazing and surprising because you've been watching it closer than we are because most people are just like going, wow, that's amazing what it can do now. But but still, that that's quite um, exciting, exciting time. So yeah, what, what would your startup do if it's not a secret, obviously? No, actually, we have a public website. We haven't started promoting it aggressively yet, uh, but it, it, is a, it is an application on the phone that allows people to connect and socialize over running. So it brings runners together, basically, uh, either in a social or a competitive uh, manner to help people connect because many people like to run, and but they also find that socializing through running is even more rewarding than running itself, or it helps them keep themselves accountable to running. Mm. So it's, it's very hands-on, very non-tech, but there's a lot of technology in the back end. And a lot of uh, data science work happening behind the scenes. That's cool. I'm actually a runner. I do mainly trail running, but it's still running. I use Strava. So how does that? What what? Oh, how does it differentiate from what's out there currently for like managing your training? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Strava because that's one of the most popular trackers and we're very fond mm. of it. Uh, many of our users use Strava and other trackers, which are very great uh, in what they offer. But what they do offer is more like a, a way to gauge your progress and um, mm-hmm. understand better your solo training. They, they don't do much on the social side of things. Mm-hmm. And although it is a very amazing database they have, developed and the insights that come from it every year that they publish on their website are very mm. interesting. Uh, they are they're not really helping the user 
connect with other users and, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. whether it's running or hacking or whatever they services they track, they don't um, do go to the extra step, that extra mile, if you will, mm-hmm. that uh, other companies try to do. And uh, our startup is one of those companies. And I feel that there is a, there is a need there because mm-hmm. metrics are great, but not everybody cares about the metrics, first of all. And also sometimes you, you just want to unplug, you know, and mm-hmm. you have a tracker like this, although it may measure useful things to help you understand your training sessions, they may not uh, always bring about something human in the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that with an app like ours, we can bring that human element and emphasize it and use technology as a supporting tool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's very curious. And that's true. They, they don't, uh, I mean, they, there are, I think the, the closest you get in, on Strava is like you have groups and clubs, but I, I, I doubt anybody really uses those things. Like I haven't myself, they're, they're just hanging there. It's a very interesting point you uh, raised there that we we talk a lot about artificial intelligence and machines uh, replacing humans. And and you're talking about using those to actually bring forward human connection, which you you feel is missing from the um, just purely data-oriented apps and, and, and software and activities that we have. How, how did that come along? How did you get to that as your focus, as your mission? Well, uh, I have to say, I didn't have to do that much on the mission side of things. Uh, I joined the startup after they already had mm. a lot of work done. So there was already an app uh, that was in uh, test flight mode on the iOS. And uh, it was still a kind of test the test flight equivalent on Android. So there was already something in place that you could actually download and check out for yourself. Mm. Um, so the mission was done by my co-founder and his team primarily. So when I joined, there was already something in place, but I did contribute and continue to contribute and hopefully will contribute even more on the data side of things because it is a data heavy application. Mm. And how, how is the artificial intelligence and data in that, in that case, um, helping, shall we say that, that social side? Uh, it helps in various ways. First, there are like insights in the form of different metrics. And uh, of course, there are graphics attached to them as well. And also in matching the users. Mm. Oh, yeah, that, obviously. Yeah, definitely. I didn't think of that. Wonderful. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and how's your, what's your experience in, because um, obviously that application is, is focusing on, and I love the way that you worded it, where using technology to, to, to effectively enhance the, the human connection as opposed to replace it. How do you, or in, in your experience, how do you see that playing out in other fields of technology? Do you feel that, um, yeah, that, that's kind of the way to go or do people have some, because um, a lot of people are, like I mentioned earlier, scared of, okay, that's gonna, you know, take our jobs. So technology is gonna replace us. Uh, it's gonna, you know, pull us further apart from each other. Where do you feel it's, it's, it's the future? I think it's going to be a combination of both because technology itself is neutral. It's not like AI is going to mm. turn against us like we see in some sci-fi films. Uh, it's, it's a useful tool and it's getting more and more sophisticated and it can offer more value potentially. The thing is that who controls that technology and uh, to what end? Because you can use it to automate a lot of different processes like it is already done in various mm. companies. And uh, basically, 
remove the human workers from the loop. Or you can use it to enhance the human experience and create value for many people, mm. thereby creating new products and services that would not exist or would not be feasible financially in that mm -hmm. regard. So you see that with many novel projects nowadays, many startups look into that. So it, it depends on how you use the AI. And it's really up to us to some extent as, uh, as consumers of the AI to say, mm. okay, we're going to vote with our euro and say, okay, mm -hmm. I'm going to promote or help this particular project because it uses AI in a benign and beneficial way instead of going to the to the gigantic companies of the past that, that use AI in a more restrictive way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that's a very important point and um, not just in technology and everything. And, and I'm glad to see that more and more people are um, being more conscious about how they spend and where they spend. I, I was talking to a guest recently about um, looking at, I have I have four kids and one of them is 18 soon. And I'm looking at how he's shopping and it's really a good insight into how this generation, how young people are so much more aware than we ever were of, of how important it is. Like you said, exactly, you vote with your wallet effectively. It's, it's really important. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit more about your, your startup. Talk to me about the brand, the, the name, the, the domain name you chose. How, how did that come along and how is it working for you? Um, well, I didn't have much or anything rather to do with that <laughs> mm -hmm. name or the brand, but I did like it from the very beginning and I found it very intuitive. It's one-to-one, -one, all letters except the two part. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I can so, our, our listeners can see that but i see a dog <laughs> it's cool yes yes uh, you see even dogs get excited about the name yeah <laughs> that's when yeah. you know you got it right <laughs> exactly and the, and the dot run part i think is also very good because it, it really captures the whole idea of what the company is about in one url that is mm. fairly easy to remember i believe and as an app, it, it, I think, distinguishes itself because there aren't that many with that name. It, it's very easy to find. Well, if you search for specific games, for example, that have a name that everybody else is using or something similar, mm -hmm. good luck finding that particular app. So mm. I think the branding is really well done. And of course, there can always be improvements. Um, but it's something that uh, doesn't require too many follow-up questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's always a good thing. That's always a key way where yeah, you you have a name that gives an idea of what the company does. It's easy to remember, doesn't restrict you to anything too narrow, which I often see in my field work where where people, I mean, you, you had your dog now, so it makes me think like if you launch a business that's called something dog colors and then you decide to expand to different products then you have a problem um so and on what stage you, you said you joined the company recently it's been in testing uh before that so what stage where are you now what's what's the most exciting thing about what you're doing now well now we're taking a small step back to to explore uh, how the whole thing can be refactored in a way and improved uh, by getting more in touch with our users so recently mm. like survey uh, across the world because it's it's an app so it doesn't have a specific um, location in the world mm -hmm. probably it's going to be um, promoted in one country first and then the others but uh, we found that uh, there are certain patterns across uh, different users from all over the place and uh, we're looking into how we can improve the app and make it more relatable to the users more um, something they would care about more because not everybody cares about the metrics as we think and mm -hmm. not everybody about this um, this habit 
of tracking the metrics all the time. Sometimes you just have a bad run and that's that's it. It's okay. And mm. it, it should affect how you feel. And, and sometimes even a bad run is better than no run. But if you really mm-hmm. focus too much on the metrics, you may lose that. And mm-hmm. that, that's, that actually also running the risk of going to, you know, to a tangent here. But mm, this, also <laughs> this also illustrates that there are different kinds of runners. Not everybody is all Absolutely. about the metrics and passionate. But there are other people who are more mindful runners, for example, or mm. people who run for a specific objective, like weight loss. So we try to cover different uh, aspects of what the user wants and uh, and understand the users better. So that's why it's very exciting. It's not just a technological project, but it's something that really mm. relates to the people. There's a strong UX side, for example. Mm. I'm, I'm definitely, I mean, I'm, I'm actually thinking I'm, I'm going to go and have a look at it after after our call because I'm definitely interested in, obviously, you know, as a runner myself, but I can absolutely agree with you that there's so many different types of runners and it's it's not at all the same and it's um i feel where really the social element and what you mentioned matching users can really play well is that whatever type of runner you are you obviously whether you know it or not you're better off with with somebody who you can bounce off and you can train together whether it's virtually or you know in in the same in the same location um and it really helps if that if that somebody has similar idea similar objective similar way of reasoning of why they run and then that's something that's not um i don't see that yeah i can think of, of somewhere where that's reflected in an existing application and i'll, I'll give you a, um my turn to run on off tangent but i'll give you an example i've been running for a couple of years now um in in my club here locally well locally in monaco um or in our trail club and there, there wasn't another woman. I'm the only one. And it, only recently there was another uh, girl that joined. And it really was uh, like a really different experience for me. Like it's so much more motivational and, and like I enjoy it so much more that I'm not the one who is always, you know, behind or I have my training adapted and I'm the only one doing something different from the rest. And it really makes a difference. And I can totally see like that's me with a coach in a club. And if I was on my own, that's even harder when you're doing it on your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm glad you touched on the point of clubs because we're also uh, attempting to integrate that uh, more communal aspect of running. So mm. we'll be limited only to pairs of runners, but also bigger mm. group. And, you know, it can be like three, four runners, but it can also be like a bigger group depending on the event. So it's really the sky that is the limit in this case. Mm, uh, there's absolutely. so many options. And, and, you know, there's so many social aspects to running. Uh, other than just the running itself. So the socializing afterwards, for example, and uh, different equipment that you may get to improve your performance mm. in running and make the whole experience more um, healthy. Definitely. That's something, the equipment, I've, I've been amazed Strava hasn't done something about that because with the data they have, they're probably doing enough just selling that data. I'm not sure. I don't know how they're using that information, but they could do a lot more, not even on the side of obviously they can earn money. I'm just thinking to make uh, life easier for the people that are using the app with the information that they have, with the fact that they, that they literally, you know, they, they on my like watch, they, they have everything about me and they don't have something that will say, oh, those shoes, you know, they're like, you should change them. It's been whatever kilometers you've run with them or, you know, there's a promotion of whatever and you like that brand. So maybe you should, it's just, yeah, like I said, sky is the limit on that, and um, there's there's a lot to do. It's a, 
an exciting project. Yeah, of course. And I completely understand where Strava is coming from because they have to also abide by GDPR and other privacy-related mm. legislation. So, you know, you can do lots of things, but at the same time, you have to keep in mind that the user is not uh, your product. They are the user and you should mm. as a product. So privacy is definitely something to be factored in the whole matter. Mm. Yeah, talking on that, um, the, the privacy obviously is one. What challenges have you faced in your startup? I'm sure that will be interesting. Like you, you said that before that, if I understand correctly, you were more like you had positions in different companies and that that is uh, the first time you're actually in a startup as a founder in a founder's position. So what, what are the like most... Uh, you feel common challenges you have faced so far and how did you deal with it? Well, um, first of all, it's the remote thing because I have worked remotely in mm. the past, but it's very different when you have a specific um, role and uh, you have gotten accustomed to your team and your collaborators. And, you know, if you work remotely a few days, it's it's all right. It's not very mm. difficult. But here I started on the remote from day one. So even though I knew the co-founder in person from the accelerator program we met in, uh, I didn't really have a chance to work with any of the people in the team face to face, and that that has been a challenge. Although I enjoy working remotely, and I think it's a it's a great way to to keep uh, to keep uh, <laughs> things much more efficient and more um, more sustainable in a way. Mm. Uh, I, but beyond the remote thing, there's also the the matter of um, wearing a lot of hats, and that's something mm. I have done in the past in Microsoft because as a program manager there. You have to wear lots of hats. Like mm-hmm. you are a kind of uh, versatilist, if you know, mm. the, if you're familiar with the term. Yeah. So in a startup, you you have to be like that as well. Like there is not, it's not a nice to have. It's a necessity, especially in the founding or co-founding role. And mm. uh, you know, at one point, I may have a meeting with uh, a developer, and then I have to have a meeting with uh, the UX, uh, mm. and then have to <laughs> go back to the data because everybody is very hands-on in the team. So. It's not something that, um, you know, you can lock in a small box in your mind mm. and say, that's it. Okay, that's my role. That's what I do. And that's and, and everybody else is just an outsider. There are no outsiders in a startup. And I think that's one of the, the strong points of a startup because not only do you learn lots of different things by wearing all these different hats, but also you, you get to empathize better with the different professionals. Like mm. I had no idea, for example, that UI work was so hard until I saw how UI people work and uh, the programs they use and, you know, how it's not so simple as, okay, uh, mm. you know, you put these features there and they, they magically appear. You oh, know, you yeah. To... <laughs> yeah. I, I can totally relate to that. One, for from my own experience, um, exactly with the same way you, I, I've been a project manager for quite some time before I I got into uh, launching my business and I was kind of uh, in the intersection of, you know, clients, uh, managers, designers, programmers, and, and it's been like so, so hard to, to make those connections, to translate those things because everybody thinks the job of the other one is so much simpler for some reason. Everybody's like, oh, just move that thing over there. Like, why can't you just move it over there? Just make it red. <laughs> you know? and, and it's funny, you, you mentioned that you had no idea that, uh, you know, your you job was so dif- uh, difficult. I had a guest recently who had a similar experience where he had a lot of, you know, um, positions in different companies. Um, and now that he started his his own business, he was saying, I, I, I thought like marketing people, you know, and designer people, they just walk around drinking coffee. 
<laughs> and and when uh, and when he spent like days and days and days working on just getting a logo and he was like we are on our third logo now <laughs> he was like okay I, I understand that's you know a serious job that's not they're not just walking around drinking coffee so yeah I think the walking around drinking coffee stage is over once you once you're a founder <laughs> yeah and the same holds for the tech positions as well like a developer is not like someone who just sits in front of the computer enjoying himself or herself doing uh, yeah. coding because you know it's not really the code that's the hard part but mm. uh, addressing specific requirements using that code and making sure that mm. code is is good but not perfect because if you spend so much time making the perfect script to for a specific feature then you may not have enough time to do other features mm. <laughs> and you know in startup things are changing so rapidly so you don't really need to have this perfect code anyway mm. that's another thing yeah that reminds me of my my days in you know programming and, and it and all that that was something that at some point i was so tired of trying to explain to people that because like a programmer can sit there for days and you don't see something happening and people want to see something happen it's like what i mean what has been doing like it's been you know three days i don't see anything changing on that software or on that website and at, at some point i i was just like i got to a point where when we were even discussing features stage, like I would know what takes time and what doesn't take time and what effectively, what people on the other side, um, when they see, they can say, oh, that looks amazing. That must have taken a lot of time. And it actually not, it's actually very simple. But I used to do that and sort of a feed that feedback based on how people would feel about what's taken time as opposed to what really takes time to the programmers because like you cannot you cannot match those if you realistically say oh it's been five days and you can't see anything <laughs> but it's actually a huge amount of work done exactly yeah and sometimes you, you do something very simple as you said like uh, mm. recently i did a project to analyze some text and do some exploratory data analysis on some text responses for for this survey i mentioned and mm. you know it didn't take me more than an hour to have something to show for it mm. and it, for me that was something trivial like it didn't really it's not something that yeah. you put a resume even that you know how to yeah. do for the cloud i mean everybody can do that uh, especially if they if they know about text analytics but for some people i mean this is more insightful than than mm -hmm. making a very fancy script to analyze numeric data which may be really hard, much harder than it looks. Mm. Uh, and at the end, you just end up having a small graph about it, small mm. graphic. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that impressive to start with, but the word cloud yeah. may be more impressive because of the colors and the shapes and, and how it's very easy to interpret. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess it comes down to, as it often does, oh, I mean, to bring it back to marketing and branding, to to knowing your audience and what they would appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, that's something that every company, especially startups, need to, need to work on because it's easy to get infatuated with an idea saying, ah, look, I have this amazing mm. product or service that I'm going to develop or I'm developing. But at the end of the day, if there is not a strong pain point, what's the point? What's the point mm. of developing the, an amazing application if nobody's going to use it? And that's something that mm. is iterated in this um, you know, Bible of sorts in, in the startup world, the lean startup, where Eric Reis uh, talks about the importance of connecting with the users and, uh, mm. and really making something of value to them. Mm. Absolutely. And that, that's been something that we oftentimes touch on the podcast. And it's, I guess indicative of how important it is that with guests from different fields, different um, um, areas of expertise, different industries, we do end up to that same point of uh, you, you have to 
communicate as early as possible to your users and and get that feedback instead of you know working on that brilliant idea with gazillion features that you know you might just like talk to 10 people and find out that's not at all what you think and that's something that people get often oftentimes wrong and it's funny because it's one of the things i i hit as a problem very very early when i was still like coming up to well yeah my son is going to be 18 so that was about then um when i was working at selling websites effectively to people creating and selling websites and and there was that huge problem of people going yeah but i like this and I like that. And I want it to be like that. And and trying to get to them, yeah, but it's not about you. <laughs> and and it's a very, very similar thing that you see across the board in, in so many different uh, ways and in industries and, and fields that people forget that it's about the end user. It's not about what you like and what, what you feel about it. Exactly, yeah. Great. Well, we can end up on... Um, I guess two things more. Like where, where, where are you going with the, your startup? What's what's cooking for next year? That's one. And where can people reach out to you? Well, I'll start with the easier question, which is uh, <laughs> you can reach out to us on the one to one dot run website, um, and also we have a strong presence on Instagram, so you can reach mm. out to us through that. Um, well, for next year we have lots of different things in the works. Um, I, I don't think I can uh, talk about all of them, but uh, let's just say that we're looking at making the whole app much more user-friendly and much more uh, useful to everyone mm. who, who wants to take up running or is already running, or sometimes they run, sometimes they don't, like the on-off runners, as we call them, mm. uh, because everybody has to be, can benefit from running. And sometimes you just need that extra push, which can mm. be something as simple as a, a simple app. Doesn't have to be mm. something too super fancy. You don't have to invest in a high-tech tracker. You don't have to invest in the latest gear either. Mm. Uh, as long as you just summon the motivation to get out there and uh, and run a bit and uh, connect with other people through that, I think that's enough mm. to keep people on the in the habit or develop the habit mm. if they don't have it. Definitely, yeah, I can totally agree with that. And I'm actually, it's very funny how it's important what you said that you just people need that little push to just start. And then very quickly, it kind of does it, its work on its own. You start like feeling the benefits. You start it start getting to be a habit. And the social element there is very important. That's um, that's something that really can keep you motivated and, and gives you that responsibility as well. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's that's very important. Wonderful. Well, yeah, I'm wishing you all the best. I'm going to be watching where you're going. I'm going to check out the app actually for myself um, after our interview. And thank you. Thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And uh, I look forward to seeing more episodes of your podcast. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Smart Branding Podcast. Feel free to visit smartbranding.com for more information and reach out if you have any suggestions, questions, ideas, or just want to learn more about how a good domain name strategy can help you build a strong and successful brand. See you next time.